0: Well, welcome. It is great to see you this morning. Welcome to Christ Union Chapel. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors on um, staff here at the church. Hey, we are in 2018. You know the theme, transformed in 2018. You know the goal is to move more into the image of Jesus to be transformed and change more into his likeness throughout the course of this year so that we can look back and say transformation really happened within side of me from January to December. And transformation begins to take place when we go back to the basics. Just like when you do that with sports, going back to the fundamentals, the idea of reminding yourself of the gospel, which is what we did last week. And we believe through the framework of our mission statement here at the church the transformation will happen, that people will come to know Jesus. They will grow in Him, and then they will serve Him daily. And as we unpack this 101 series where we're unpacking the first part of the mission statement, which is know Jesus. And we believe here at this church that that's done in three different stages. One is believe, which we looked at last week. The next is belong, which we're going to look at this weekend. And then next weekend we'll talk a little bit more about baptism. What does it mean to belong to Jesus and belong to his church? We all want to belong, don't we? We all want to we all want to belong in a place whether it's work or or school if you're a student or at home or maybe with the hobbies you pursue. The idea of belonging connects with relationship. And if you go back to the account of creation in Genesis, you see that God declares his creation good, but one thing he says isn't good and that is that man Adam is alone and so he he fashions, he creates Eve to be the perfect complement To Adam and Adam rejoices in that belonging in that relationship and if you think back maybe to your first day at a new job or maybe your first day in high school or middle school when you when you got on the bus or you or you entered the cafeteria or you entered the workplace or you you came into homeroom getting into that classroom if you remember kind of a twinge of anxiety and, and of fear as you Look for a welcoming smile, a, a friendly face, something that assures you that you belong. Now, I can still remember when my, when my parents first became missionaries in the late 80s, early 90s, the, the very first country we went to was France. And we went there with the goal of learning the French language. So we knew we knew smatterings but we were more fluent kind of in body gestures and you know body language which all missionaries are familiar with or if you travel you know you know you got to get good with your body language and gestures to help convey communicate right so so we get enrolled in in this french-speaking school which doesn't speak much english we as english speakers don't speak much french and i remember going into crossing the threshold into this classroom and i was terrified just terrified. I was in third grade, and for the, just for the record, I almost failed third grade because I couldn't grapple with the French language. All right. There are some tough concepts for the record, too, in third grade, so don't hold that against me. But I did just make it past. So I get to the classroom door, I, I go in, and, and, I, and I'm searching. I'm fearful because I'm wanting to belong. And, and I see a, a, a friendly face and kind of a little wave, a smile, from, from a boy who I later find out his name is Achno. And you know that you have a good French name if you have a ch in it, right? Achno. And this kid, he looked cool because he had a rat tail. And before you knock it, that was the style back then, all right? Particularly in Western Europe. They, they are cutting edge on the fashion industry. So he had a rat tail. I knew he was cool. And he befriended me and he welcomed me. He made me feel like I belonged. And it was so refreshing to have a relationship, a friendship with Him because of that belonging that I had. And so we all long to belong to someone or something. And when we come to Christ, when we believe in Him, the Bible says we we belong to Him. And it also says we belong to His church. All right, so... We're going to answer three questions about belonging, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That'll be our primary text for this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, and this passage answers three questions about belonging. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 12 through 21. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, giving them instructions on the church. And he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse 12 For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Three questions we want to consider in light of this passage are, what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong? And then the second question, what are the dangers of belonging? What are those dangers of belonging to this body? And then third, what are the implications of belonging? What does it mean to belong? What are the dangers of belonging? And then what are the implications of belonging? In order to answer the first question, what does it mean to belong? Go back to verse 12 with me. Verses 12 and 13 say, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Then he explains what that means. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What does it mean to belong to the body? It means that there is incredible diversity here. People from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from different experiences, with different stories. But they all come together to make up one body. In other words, when you belong to the body, you're you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And there's tremendous unity because of Christ. It means you can celebrate the diversity that you have, that you're all different parts. You're all different members of the body, but there is a oneness. There is a unity under Jesus Christ because we have all been redeemed by Him. Paul says it a similar way to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28 say this, for in Christ Jesus, meaning those of you who are in Christ saved by Christ, You are all sons of God. Do you you see that family language? You're all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. It's not that we're not different. It's that our unity in Christ supersedes our cultural distinctions. While those are great distinctions to have... We have to be governed by the fact that we are all one. We are all unified in Christ. We all belong to him and to his church. So that you can't say something like, I'm for Jesus, but I'm not for his church. Oh, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Those are contradictory statements. If you love Jesus, if you're for Jesus, you love his church, you're for his church because that's his body and you're a part of it. See, when the the Bible talks about the church, it gives these images, and the images help us to kind of hang concrete ideas on that. So, so So when the Bible talks about the church, it talks about a family. It talks about a priesthood. It talks about a flock of sheep. It talks about the body, the passage we're reading. It talks about the idea of being a part of a house or a structure. So there are all kinds of different parts. So we belong to something bigger, but we're all unified under that one thing, which is Jesus Christ, who is our head. You, you catching that? Right? So, so then it actually means when you belong to the body of Jesus, you represent Jesus and you represent the church. I can still remember in high school when, when my dad would say dad things to me. And now that I'm a dad, I'm like, man, we just can't get around it. We just, when you're a dad, you just say dad things, like, hey, drive safe. You're like, yeah, because I was gonna drive dangerously, so thanks for that reminder, I suppose. You know, and as a 16-year-old, I'm going, oh, this guy, he's in his 50s. I clearly have more life experience. You know, I clearly am wiser, I'm smarter. Why is he even speaking? You know, he's very dismissive as a teenager, right? It's very dismissive. Some of you are like, yeah, that happened to me this morning with my teenage child, right? You love them through it. So my dad would say something to me like, um, and he would say this all the time, right? I'm grabbing the door handle. Hey, Caleb, remember who you are and whose you are. And I kind of roll my eyes like, yep, okay, got it, thanks. And drive safe. I'm like, yep, perfect timing on that one. <laughs> remember who you are and whose you are. And what he was trying to remind me is that I represent our family wherever I go. And that I also, because I belong to Jesus, I'm his, I represent him wherever I go. So so what what it means to belong is that you're part of something bigger than yourself, but you also are an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for his church, whether you're in the workplace or in the classroom or on the bus or in your commute or, or when you do hobbies or things of interest to you or at home or when you parent In your marriage, you represent Jesus and you represent his church, right? Because you belong to him and you belong to the church. You're you're a part of something. So so what that means is we have a shared life. So there's accountability here. There is community, there is friendship, there's relationship, there's there's, there's transformation that's happening where we become sharpened through living together as the body where we become more and more like Jesus through a mutual exhortation and admonishment and correction and encouragement and a life of being lived, kind of this togetherness, this unity that we have. But the question for us then is, what does that mean in every area of our, li- of our lives? It, it means everything we do takes on eternal significance and has an eternal impact. In other words, when you parent, when you're in your marriage, your perspective completely changes the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act, how, how you represent yourself at work, how hard you work, the attitude you have at work, how diligent you are in the classroom, how you study, the way you form friendships in school or as an adult. The ideas you have on sex and marriage and sexuality and expression of gender. The idea of who's your authority, who governs your life. All those things are influenced by the fact that we belong to Jesus and belong to his body. Well, if that's what it means to belong, what are some of the dangers of belonging? What are some of the dangers of belonging? I can, I can remember as a, as a young uh, missionary I've been in this this spring I'll celebrate 14 years in full-time ministry I, I skipped out of college a couple weeks early because I wanted to jump into the mission field and I was sick of being in the classroom so I okayed it with my professors took my finals early skipped my graduation ceremony joined a mission organization where I could travel around the world and preach the gospel through the platform of sports and so I did that for seven years and then about almost seven years ago to this weekend I came on staff here at the church and I can remember when I first joined the mission organization as a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, I, I had an older missionary kind of mentoring me, and was my friend, and, and what he said is, hey, Caleb, ministry is great, but it would be way easier and actually more enjoyable if it weren't for the people. <laughs> and, well, and I was going, thank you, Yoda missionary, old, wise, sage, for your great positive influence and attitude and well he was a great guy but what he was saying is hey the reality is people are messy people are broken people are messed up and it's the same within the walls of the church and so Paul is saying hey because we all belong to the same body there are a couple of things we ought to be on the lookout for some some dangers of when you belong those there are two of them the first one is in 14 through 20. Paul says this, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The first danger of belonging is what we say to ourselves. Did you catch that? I'm not this. I don't have this role. I don't have this gifting. I don't have this ability. Therefore, I don't belong. I'm not valued, I'm not significant, I'm not worthy. I don't have, and then you fill in the blank, X, Y, or Z, whether it's a role or a position or a function within this church, within this body, and then you conclude, therefore, I'm not a part of it. I don't belong. That is a lie from the devil. And what does Paul do to combat that lie? Look at verse 18. This this is incredible stuff. Paul says in verse 18, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That word chose in the original language also means will, desire, wish, want. So so in other words, God arranged the body, the members of it, as he wills, as he wishes, as he desires, as he wants. So what does that mean then practically? Practically. It means we all have a specific role and function to fulfill within the body of Christ, within the church. We all have a place. We are all valued. We are all significant. We all have an important part to play in Christ's body. So you can't tell yourself, you can't devalue yourself because you don't have A, B, or C. Paul actually in the book of Ephesians says, you, meaning all of us, are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works to do in advance. So what that means is we're God's workmanship and he prepared things for us to do even before we were born. And that word workmanship in the Greek is poema, which is where we get our English word poem. Do you feel the weightiness of that? So that means we are God's masterpiece. Each one of you are God's masterpiece. Each one of you are God's kind of original composition, So you are filled with worth and dignity and significance and value because you have an important role and function to play within his body, the church. You belong. And the second danger is in verses 21 to 24. Paul goes on and says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not need or do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. First danger is what we say to ourselves. Second danger is what we say to others. We say, hey, because you're not A, B, or C, because you don't have this role, this function, this gifting, this skill set, this particular position, you're not valuable. Here's an example. I don't like the way you think. I don't like your worship style. I don't like the music you listen to in church. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. So therefore, you're not valuable. You don't belong here. You're not a part of this body. And what is the truth that Paul uses to combat that lie from the devil? Look at the second part of verse 24. Exact same truth stated slightly differently. Verse 24, the second part, first full sentence in verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Do you see that? So first truth God is the arranger. Second truth, same truth stated differently. God is the composer of the body. What does that mean? Same implications for us. The other people who are different than us in the body are valuable, are filled with worth, are significant, have something to contribute to the body. We all fit together as the different parts of the body to make one body. We cannot say to the other person, you're not valued here because you're not like this, or you don't have this gift, or you don't have this position, or you don't have this role, or you don't have that function. Every single person who belongs to Jesus, who belongs to his body, has a specific role to fulfill because he's been equipped, he's been empowered by God. They have the Holy Spirit residing in them. So don't believe those lies from the enemy. Instead, combat those lies with the truth that God is the arranger of the body, God is the composer of the body. So everyone has worth and value and significance. What are the implications then of belonging? Third and final question. Verses 25 through 27, that's where our answer is. So Paul has just finished saying, hey, God is the composer, he's the designer, and then he says, why? Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. That word division in the Greek is schisma, where we get our English word schism. These factions, right? This splintering off. God designed the body with diversity and unity so, so it would prevent schisms from happening. That there may be no division in the body, but instead that the members may have the same care for one another, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you, 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 us, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And individually members of it. We are the body of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul has a great picture of what the body should be like. He says, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. How would we complete His joy? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Paul is saying the body was designed for an interconnectedness, a oneness, an interdependence on each other. You know, oftentimes when we talk about transformation, we talk about it and we we have the wrong concept of what transformation is. We think, we think like an upgrade, okay? So I brought this. I did not get this from a museum. I got this out of my closet. I used to, This was my phone up until last August of 2017. All right, some of you are like, welcome to the new age, dinosaur. All right, this thing has a nifty slide-out keyboard. It's pretty chic. It's a chic cell phone, flip phone. When we think about transformation, we think about going from this to this. And look, those of you who know this, I know this is an iPhone 5. This is an upgrade for me, right? So get off my back. This is huge, <laughs> all right? We think about going from this to this, right? We think about being upgraded, or we think about kind of, okay, now that we're, we're being transformed, we, we go into these independent superior beings, kind of like, hey, I was Tony Stark, now I'm Iron Man. Hey, I was Clark Kent, now I'm Superman. But what transformation does is the opposite. It makes you acutely aware of your own deficiencies. So much that you confess your need for Jesus. So much that you confess your need for an interconnectedness, and interdependence on the body right here called the church. So it's not like an upgrade. It's an acknowledgement of I need you, you need me, we need Jesus. So Paul is saying, we are in this together. There's a connectedness here. There's a family here. So much so that when you suffer, I suffer. When you rejoice, I rejoice. When I suffer, you suffer. When I rejoice, you rejoice. Think about it in the context of your own family. Now that I'm a parent, I feel my kids' pain, whether it's emotional from disappointment or from physical uh, sickness, and I remember thinking before I was a parent, um, man, you know what? When my kids are sick, I'm just gonna be like, Psh, put some dirt on it, dude. Get over it. Suck it up. My th- I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. A year ago, our one-year-old was about three months old. and He got the flu, and I can remember thinking. I remember I was, I was so scared for him, and I remember holding him all through one of those nights that he was sick, just cradling him, hearing the rattling in his lungs as he was trying to breathe, and just his discomfort, and I was broken by his brokenness. That's what Paul is saying should happen in the church. When somebody in our church is going through a hard time with parenting, a teen or an adult, or having a tough time in marriage, or had a miscarriage, or had a job loss, or had an adult child make a wayward decision, we ought to feel that with them. Do you feel that? Are you living in such a way where you're not coming here for a 60-minute God experience? You're living in community together in a way where when the people around you feel that pain of life closing in, you are there to be with them through it. Are you living in such a way where you're interconnected, where when one person gets a job promotion or something d- goes well in their marriage or with an adult child or, or they have, you know, they're pregnant and then have, give birth to a baby and you're celebra- celebrating with them? That's what Paul is talking about. Those are the implications of belonging to the body, right? So what does it mean to belong? It means you're a part of something bigger than yourself. That there's diversity, but great unity. That we can celebrate with each other where there's, where there's this difference of experiences and stories, but there's this unity in Christ. There's accountability, there's encouragement. And then what are some of the dangers? Things we say to ourselves, we're not valuable because we don't have A, B, or C, or we say to others, they're not valuable because they don't have A, B, or C. And we combat those truths with the word of God, which said, God is the designer and the arranger and the composer of the body for his glory and the church's edification. And then we say, what are the implications? That we live in such an interconnected, interdependent way that when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Let me close with Ephesians two, nineteen through 22, which is a beautiful picture of the church. Paul writes this, so then you, meaning us as non Christians, right? So then you are no longer strangers, so now we are Christians. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom, meaning Jesus, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in him, meaning Jesus you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Jesus is our cornerstone, which means he holds us together. Jesus is our head, which means he is our authority. Jesus is also the bridegroom of us, his church, his bride. So Jesus is our head, he holds us together as his cornerstone, and he is the lover of our souls. That's what it means to belong. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you that you've given us a place to belong, where we are in you, celebrating the diversity we have, but being unified in you. Help us to remember not to believe the lies devaluing ourselves or devaluing others, but to speak the truth that you are the arranger, the composer, the designer. Help us to remember, too, that what it means to be part of your body, the implications is that we are living in such a connected way where we feel each other's hurts and we celebrate each other's joys. Thank you for Christ, in whose name I pray.